Hello and welcome to the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. I'm bringing my 25 years industry experience together with leading experts around the globe to give you the insights on how to live a better life and grow a profitable mortgage broking business that you are proud of. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. My name is Ross LeCain. Today, I've got a very special guest, Roland Ewakim from Platinum People Group. Uh, he's one of the only specialists in recruiting for the mortgage broking industry. I find this really important because to scale a business, for businesses to get that billion dollar broker, it's not something that they can do alone. It's a team sport and the ability to understand in terms of how to scale and grow your business is really important to find the right people. So Roland specializes in this. So I thought it'd be great to have a chat with him so we can talk today about, you know, what things a broker needs to look out for to be able to scale their business. So welcome, Roland. Thanks for having me, Ross. Happy to uh, share some of our insights of what we see and essentially, you know, what, what the, the brokers are doing well, what they're actually doing differently. So um, thanks for having me on the show. And that, that's probably a great point to start in terms of you deal with a lot of brokers and a lot of the top people in the broking industry. So what do you see as some of the key habits that, you know, some of the brokers that, that you're seeing do really, really well, especially around their staff? Sure, sure. Look, I'll, I'll start with, it, it's not a sexy start, if I'm being honest, but it's, mm -hmm. it's something that people really need to focus on. Um, just like every broker that's been in this space for a while has a process, whether it's documented or not, they know how to get a deal settled, right? They know how to ensure it's not knocked back and it's getting declined. They know how to put the right customer in the right loan. If you haven't documented a similar version of that process for recruiting someone in your business, you're not going to get to the ideal outcome because it's just, there's nothing in place to, 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 um, to screen candidates. There's nothing in place around what you want. So one of the biggest things we see the, the, the really successful brokerages do is they've got a crystal clear process of what it is that they need to recruit and how it is they're gonna go about screening candidates to ensure that they're in the end hiring the right person for the right job. Um, so that's definitely one of, the, one of the big ones that we see. Yeah, definitely. After 16 and a half years in a mortgage business and hiring a number of people and growing a team to, you know, 15 to 20 people, I know what you mean. And I've been yeah. there, I've done it, I've made the mistakes. And it's not till I had a really good process in place um, to be able to do that. And, yeah. you know, quite and often it's like that foundation of building a house, right? This on-ramp helps people to grow. So tell us what's the important things in terms of that on-ramp and things that people would need to consider. Sure. I mean, it's so important because at the end of the day, people can put anything in their resume and they can say anything in an interview. And we've all been guilty, you know, you and I, Ross, and many other business owners have um, hired someone based on what they've told us without actually going in 
getting them to essentially prove it. You know, if your resume says you can do this. Um, I'm going to believe you and just wait till you start the job. And then they start the job and they can't do it. And you're like, but the resume says they can. Why, why can't you do this? Um, so I think one of the most important steps to have in your recruitment process is how are you actually going to get to the core of their capabilities? It's not about how many years experience they've got. Someone can have two years experience or 10 years experience. But we're all the subject of our environment, what mentors we've had, what training we've got, um, what, how we learn and how quick we learn. Um, so you actually need to um, un uncover what they can do and what they can't do. And the only way to truly do that is via a version of a case study or, or, a, or a scenario. Uh, so depending on what you're recruiting, if you're recruiting a broker as an example, you would actually give them some file notes. Here's, here's what the customer wants. Here's their situation in a snapshot. You know, I'll leave you for 10 minutes and I want you to then present to me what you would take to that customer how they would actually put the deal together. Because that's the, the proof's in the pudding. Can they actually do the job? So whatever the role is you're recruiting for, how are you gonna be certain that they can display the ability to do the job before you actually hire them? Exactly. Um, yeah. Let's take, so, it, let's take it back a, a step because I think I'd love to sure. explore this more and unpack sure. it role by role. But let's go back in terms of for mortgage brokers looking to scale their businesses, mm -hmm. what are the key roles that you're, you know, most of the time in terms of hiring for? So just sure. uh, give me a sort of yeah. example there's, there's of four, those. There's four key roles that we recruit for a brokerage, um, yeah. whatever size. Um, the entry level is a loan processor, which is essentially what I think, think what you call a file driver. Um, which is essentially taking a deal from once it's been lodged to settlement. Um, most brokerages don't need us to help them find that. They can be pretty much trained and can be quite green and from other areas. Um, a really common one that we recruit is a loan packager. Um, and again, that's where the, that person is collating all the documents, scrutinizing those documents, making sure they're a match to what the customer said, and then still taking it right through to settlement. And then you've got what we call the broker analyst. Um, other businesses call them the para broker, but essentially that's someone that's got the capability of doing the strategy, picking apart um, the relevant financials, liabilities from the documents that have been given to you from the customer, whether they be trust documents, financial statements for a self-employed entity or a, um, or a payslip or a group certificate. Um, and then, of course, so they're the three support roles. And then the fourth role, which is really common for us, is a, is a PAYG broker um, with some commissions as well. Um, you know, some can be more hunters where they're expected to self-generate. Others are, uh, you know, a fed and there's maybe a, an existing book for them to farm or a referral source for them to come and um, account manage for that business. Um, so, yeah, they're probably the four most common roles. Loan processor loan packager, broker analyst or para broker, and then a PAYG broker. Beautiful. So I want to unpack um, these things and especially the ones that you focus on more. So sure. we've said the loan processor. Um, and again, yeah. so the broker is doing a lot of the, the work up until 
submission and then yeah. from submission um, to settlement that you've got someone that you know drives yeah, the file. file drives it exactly, exactly. and they and they're not really um, they they've got to obviously be a great communicator great with time management but they don't have to know the ins and outs of because the deal's already been lodged they're keeping an eye on it they've got to be able to pick up on if it's going over the SLAs to prompt the broker but they're not having to package it up they don't have to worry about supporting docs it's all already been done so they can be they can be greener if you've got the ability to mentor definitely and, and we had um, a really experienced uh, lady Gail in our business that did that and she was able to handle uh, you know massive numbers of settlements sometimes we had up to you know a hundred files a month going yeah through. right wow and so she was able to handle that from you know approval through to um, to settlement yeah. and, and do it really really well and they become experts at what they do right I will, I will just just throw in on that Ross you must have had some bloody good processes in your business to ensure that when it was hand out handed over to to her that it was ready right and and that's the key there if um if there's an organized system in place you can do volume as you've experienced in your business definitely um, it's but if not she would have fallen apart um i'm sure definitely it, and yeah, yeah it's one of the things that we teach it's our 2x process in terms of how to do that but um you know again this is just part of the process that first bit and yeah. um, you've still got, especially in this market with so many changes and um, so much, you know, in terms of front end work that yeah. I find that even, you know, this is the most common staff member for any broker to have. 100%. But they still get stuck in the $25 an hour task or the $35 an yeah. hour task, right? This doesn't yeah. free them up as much as those other roles that we spoke yeah, about, which is certainly. moving on to, you know, the loan packager, which was the second yeah. role you mentioned. Okay. So yeah. the loan packager, um, just, yeah, to explain that role um, again, sure. and then we'll sort of talk sure. a little bit more about that. The, the, the loan packages, um, first, I just want to say, that's probably where brokers get the best bang for their buck in terms of what you get and what that person can do for you um, and put your business in a much, much better position, um, take you to the next level. But um, a loan package is also typically still doing the loan processing as well, but they're just taking the deal. Basically you'll come off um, a prelim call with a customer. Um, you'll spend, you know, maybe five, 10, 20 minutes putting together the strategy. You know which lender it's gonna go to. Um, you're essentially handing over your file notes um, with whatever documentation you've got from that customer to the packager, right? They're not putting the strategy together. They're just executing on it for you. Mm. So they're going back to the customer saying, great, you know, Ross has passed, passed on all your, um, you know, everything that you guys have discussed. You know, here's a list of all the documents we need. These days, that's pretty easy to do. Um, get them to upload them all. In many cases, brokers are already doing that at the start of the process, so you might already have them. Mm -hmm. um, and then their job is to scrutinize and ensure that everything that they've told the broker, in this instance, Ross, um, is accurate to 
all the documentation that they've provided, looking for those discrepancies. Um, and, you know, if there's a hidden credit card that they haven't told you about, Ross, or if there's a, you know, if they said they're on 85K plus super a year, but the payslip says 78K plus super, it's, it, it's, it's picking up on those things before it's packaged up and lodged. Um, because otherwise that's going to cause challenges. So they're doing that for you. And then they're also getting, getting it all logged in, data entry into your system and lodged via apply online. Definitely. And that, you know, saved a massive amount of time, right? Because these guys, you're giving away a lot of those responsibilities and the broker's yeah. doing. I think the yeah. key thing for me and the key thing for other brokers is around, as you said, the compliance is the biggest risk in their business. So it's the importance of a great handover, right? Absolutely. Doing excellent file notes and having a process. I know, you know, with Zoom now, you can record and convert it into a, a program like Otter and, and transfer yeah, it that way. Totally. Um, you know, I used to do a video handover notes where, you know, yeah. at the end of the appointment, um, I would say, look, had a meeting with Roland. Um, you know, he was looking for a fixed rate, three-year interest-only loan for investment to grow his property uh, mm -hmm. portfolio. I had all the documents I need. There's one thing missing. It's his group certificate from 2019 yeah. as I need to use the overtime for this. Um, you know, we are doing another refinance with ANZ and releasing $200,000 worth of equity on his owner-occupied property. And you get the drift, right? I do yeah. a, a detailed file note to hand yeah. over. And for me, it's easier to do it whilst talking because I've just been talking to a customer than actually yes. making notes. Um, Absolutely. And everyone's so going to do that differently. Like we, we work with brokers that um, there's one broker in particular here in Melbourne who actually likes to put it in an email to the customer. This is what we're going to do. Gets it all in writing. The customer can write back and essentially sign off on it. And the processor or the packager is copied into that email and they're introduced at that time. You know, roll on my packager, is copied in, subject to you giving us the AOK, -okay, he'll be in touch to get X, Y, and Z from you. So this whatever works for you as a broker, right? There's yeah. no one way. And then, you know, that so that's one role, and that one has been around for a lot longer. But as you say, the yeah. new one. And because of all the changes that have happened, you know, I guess yeah. from the point where APRA made things harder and then living expenses came in, now we've got the, the best interest duty um, yes. that, that's coming in. So there's another role that we're seeing that's going to become like that is already popular, but I think will yeah. grow and grow in terms of popularity. And is. Uh, that is that credit analyst or para broker. So talk to me Correct. a little bit about that. Yeah. Look, I'll just say on the forefront, this is a amazing, if you have this person in your business and you get it right, it'll be the best thing you've ever done. It'll change your business. But, so, but, <laughs> um, it is probably one of our toughest to fill types of roles. The reason that is, is because this person is actually, so the role itself, is actually what you would do as a broker, right? It's the actual strategy. It's being able to look at someone's situation 
and actually figure out which lender is going to be appropriate, which product's going to be appropriate. Is this person's situation going to service to be able to borrow the amount they want to borrow? What are, the, what are the other options, LMI? It's actually usually an experienced broker that can be the best person for this role. Um, you know, but maybe they're not a great hunter or maybe maybe they, they struggle on the, the, the sales side of being a broker but are exceptionally um, strong at the analysis or the problem solving, you know, the introvert rather than the extrovert. So, um, so again, it can be a challenge because um, if a broker is doing well, they're usually running their own business or doing a really good job. So in terms of the pools where we find these people, they're not in that pool of being a broker and could be suited to this because they're not the hunter. Mm. Um, then it depends on what the brokerage is open to in terms of where they come from. They could actually be in a credit role for a particular lender um, where they've got really good understanding of complex company financials, right? Where they're um, doing some low doc, no doc um, deals. They know how to actually sniff out if there's, um, they know how to put a deal together, right? Um, but then they're still going to need to learn policy, different products, you know, because I'm sure it's more than one product or policy mm -hmm. that most brokers work with. Apply online, the software that they're using. So they haven't actually been in a brokerage. So that can be a great option for the right person, but there's still an element of um, upskilling them on being in a brokerage. Um, then we've also got people that have been in credit and been in a brokerage. Now they're the, I'm not gonna say unicorns because they are out there, but they're the, they're, there's not many of them, right? Um, and the good ones are paid very well. Um, because they are actually making that broker's life 10 times better um, because that broker can just come out of a meeting and say, here you go, Roland. I've just met with this customer. I've got the next customer waiting at the door already in the other meeting room. I need you to figure out what we can do for this customer. And by the time you've come out of that second meeting and you're going to give them another one, they've already got the skeleton of what the strategy should be and then they're working with your packager in-house to get that packaged up. And then they're working with your file driver or your processor. So all you're doing is, in a way, walking in and out of a revolving door, meeting with your customers, and then coaching and upskilling your team to ensure that, they're, that, that it's going through the, um, the pipeline effectively. Yeah, interesting. And, and we've tried various different ways in terms of different and and for us in our business we end up having a number of leads credit analysts and they would actually take it all the way to approval and the fire mm. driver would take it to approval yeah. through to settlement right so we That's they a good would point. do that, that i might just piece. mention on yeah. that ross that the the if you've got a really good analyst whatever we want to call them power broker they can also be the packager just like the packager can also be the processor um, that makes a lot of sense depending on the volumes. Now, if you're someone like um, Mark Davis uh, at ALIC, you might need a whole team of analysts and a whole team of packages, right? Mm. But if you're, if you're doing you know, 60 mil a year, you might only need one. That mm. makes sense, doing, doing both roles. Yeah, so it, and it becomes, and to me it was around the consistency of service to the client, right? So if an RMI comes in, that person's done the deal, 
Yes. If they're familiar with it, they can answer that, that client's call that, you know, it's, it gets back on track a lot quicker rather than another person having to understand all oh, what this file is all about. How do mm. you know, like just from a time perspective that worked for us in our business, but again, it's, it's up to, um, absolutely. Up and, to the, and you can even have them pop in, meet the customer for the last five minutes of the meeting, you know, and do a quick little sort of debrief on this is where the customer's at, you know, he's rolling, he's going to be your guy moving forward. You know, definitely, he, definitely. He, we he, used to do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We used to do that all the time, bring them in, introduce, they don't need to sit in the whole meeting, but they sit in totally. the handover in the last five minutes. And again, okay. it's just a great way of doing a handover. Another way, great way, you know, especially with video technology and how easy it is to send a video message. It's just Absolutely. once they've, they've taken over, hey, I'm Ross, I'll, I'll be the one looking after your file. Roland's giving me all the information. Um, yeah. Looking forward to, to getting a solution, getting the documents out to you. Any questions? Absolutely. Just, you know, so um, really good. So let's go back and say, all right, for these different roles, salary ranges, all right? Sure. So the first one, um, so just doing um, sure. the, the, the tracking of yeah. what sort of salary we're talking. And are we, because obviously geographically can be different. Are we just talking, let's say New South Wales? In yeah, let's instance? say Sydney, Melbourne. Yeah, cool. So I, look, rule of thumb, Sydney's always going to be about 5K more for these sorts of roles, yeah. right? Melbourne, about 5K less. But it really also comes down to, again, I'll get the disclaimers out of the way first, Ross. Um, it'll really come down to, if you find the right person, they could be on 80 grand, they could be on a lot more, but they're paid that for a reason and they're not gonna leave for 10K less. So- We're not gonna hold you to it, don't worry. This is just average, yeah. right? This, this average. is average, sure. we're not pinning, it, pinning you sure. onto this. So, so processors or file drivers as an average, you probably, if they're coming in very green, can be as junior as 55 through to sort of 65, I would say is pretty normal, um, plus super. Um, then for an experienced loan packager, um, and that's definitely what most brokerages need, you're looking at that 75 to 80, 85 even in, in Sydney for a really good one. So 70 to 80 plus super is, is, is a fair range. Um, if you're offering that, um, you should be able to pick someone up and you might get lucky and get someone for 65 or 70 still. Um, but being open to paying up to 80s is really smart to attract the right caliber individual. And then that analyst or para broker, it can be anywhere from, again, 75, 80 upwards, you know, and the sky's the limit for those roles. I've come across um, some broker analysts here in Melbourne that have been in one particular business for seven years. Um, and uh, this, this particular lady was on 120K um, and clearly worth every penny because what she's doing and what that allows the director and broker to do. Um, but look, we sort of place these roles typically across Melbourne and Sydney around that sort of 80K-ish, um, you know, 75, sometimes 85, sometimes 80 is probably the average. Yeah, good. Um, and, and so moving and then, on then? And then there's the PAYG brokers was the yeah. other role that we mentioned. So 
Again, it really comes down to the incentive structure, as you'd know, Ross. Mm, um, if you've got a super lucrative upside um, and I'm someone that backs myself, you know, I'll, I'll take a lower base for a higher upside, but um, just depends on the individual you want to attract. So it could be someone that's a really, really networked banker. Let's say they're coming out of business bank or mobile bank and they've got all these networks that they want to take with them. but They've got some kids in private school. They've got a couple of home loans themselves. They need some stability to be able to make that leap. They're not in a position like many of us to start a business and take those risks. Um, so for them, they might still need a higher salary. So the average there we see is about 76K plus super to be exact. Um, plus some kind 76 of- 76 is quite spot on actually. Well, it's 76.5 plus super to be exact. But, um, <laughs> And that's that's based on approximately the last sort of fifteen to twenty that we that we have placed um, in businesses. So again, Sydney could be close to the top end of that, so closer to maybe eighty. Yeah, and in terms of I've seen you know through the coaching, I've seen lots of different structures around how they work. Some work on a you yes. know, settlements volume. Some work on a number of customers some work on even a return on investment, right? They want a three times return on investment before the, the, the commission kicks in. So sure. there's so many different structures in terms of how people pay those incentives. Is there any that, that you see stand out more um, sure. than others? There's no right or wrong. Um, every business, if they've got one and it works for them, that's great. You don't need to change it. Um, if people are doing it for the first time, so hiring their first POYG broker, um, there's one model that I tend to like more than others and recommend um, because it's just clean. Um, and it's a pure revenue model, Ross. So um, I'll talk you through it. Um, whatever your break even is, it, it's actually working out what's, what's my break even on hiring this person. So you've got the salary, they're super then there might be some other costs from their equipment, rent, if they're obviously got a, a seat in your office, um, you know, so aggregator fees, you know, all business cards, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So we tend to say, figure out what your actual break even is. Mm. And then you might have a multiplier of somewhere around 1.5 or 1.4 even times the overall overheads, right? So. Typically, you've got base, you've got super, plus, you know, maybe another 20 to 30K a year, depending on, you know, the type of business that you run. Um, you times that by about 1.5. So if that came that, to 100, then 1.5. So they need to... 100, yeah. 150. Correct. Yeah. So exactly right. So then that's the revenue that they would need to generate over a year right, that 150K or 1.5, whatever it is, mm. to then get commissions on everything above that. So that 150K is, if they're doing that, they're only just making it worth your while, right? They're mm. only just covering all the costs, you know, maybe just over the line. Um, then everything above that, you would have some kind of percentage of where you would give them a percentage of, of, of that upfront revenue. Um, and we see that being anywhere from 25% right up to, to 45%, depending on um, uh, the volume. So some have it as a tiered system where it starts at 
25%. And then if you do over a certain level, it goes to 35 and then 45. Others will just have one set, 30% of everything above your threshold. Um, and most businesses, Ross, pro-rata this every quarter, right? Mm. No one wants to wait a whole year to get their commissions. So, and doing it monthly is an accounting nightmare uh, for, mm. for a brokerage Definitely. with all the, the peaks and troughs. So um, using your example, if it's 100K of overheads, 1.5 times, that's 150 per annum. You divide that by four to get your quarterly, um, essentially, threshold. So you're looking around that sort of 35 to 40K um, per quarter to basically do your job um, to merit still being employed. And then everything above that, you're getting, you know, whatever that percentage is. And, and then they can reverse engineer to work out, okay, so... I've got to do 36K per quarter, you know, based on an average upfront of let's say 0.6, it's about six mil, it's about two mil a month. So they can still reverse engineer to figure out what that is. But the difference is, is if they've just got two mil a month as a target, depending on the lender, there's, it's, it's, it's a different revenue for your business. So you don't actually have the facts of how much profitability you're having and how much you're paying out to that person. So I find that a really clean model, um, yeah. you know, as an example. Yeah, definitely. And I'm finding a lot of the top brokers and bigger brokers are doing that model quite consistently well, you know, and as their brokers grow over time, obviously the books and the trail income that they generate sort of increases over time as well. So it, it makes, you know, they, their income will, you know, year between year five and 10, their income is quite significant um, yeah. in terms of, you know, moving forward, depending on that. So, yeah, it's a win-win for, for both. Absolutely. And there's other strategies you can do. You know, you can have an annual bonus even where if they write a certain volume, um, they might have a little kicker where you tie them in with five or 10% of the trail of what they've written, right? They don't own it. They ever leave. They don't get it when they leave. But whilst they're in the business, I'm going to pay you that trail as well. And it also keeps them focused on looking after that book, looking after those customers and not just chasing, chasing the new business. So there's a number of other strategies you can have to keep and that retention piece to, to steer them away from jumping shop and going out on their own. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this has been a fantastic conversation with Roland. And I think if you look at it and, you know, part of the reason why there is so much turnover of mortgage brokers, because it's almost, I won't say impossible, but because a lot of people do it, but to have a successful brokerage that a broker that is good at the skills in terms of catching and killing really detailed oriented in terms of being able to then come up with the solution, get all the documents, tick all the boxes, um, then, you know, go through that really highly technical submission process, um, have the patience then to follow up the lenders and to do that and then to nurture um, towards settlement and deal, have the patience of dealing with, you know, last minute um, stresses and, you know, the, the ability to find someone that's perfect at all those skills 
is not really great, right? Normally you find the, it's unrealistic to do it and there's no reason the, the turnover is, is so high. Yeah. But, you know, I know for me, my business accelerated when I realized what I'm good at, which is talking to people, doing the solution, um, you know, knocking down walls, business strategy. Um, yeah. But then having people to clean up behind me you know being absolutely your processes your packages and they um, enjoy that part of the job too hopefully exactly and you know yeah. we all know when we've made phone calls to credit assessors and different people that hey they're not personality people right but yeah. and i think that's where brokers need to sometimes get out of their own ways with with some of these roles they're not people tend to hire people who are like them yeah. Right? and want to hire people like them but these roles need a different personality yeah right? that doesn't fix your problem that just gives you another you just you're just dabbling yourself <laughs> exactly and and um so it's getting out in terms of okay then they're not going to be the same as me personality wise yes they've got to have the same values that i do because that's really really important but they're not going to be the people you can't expect um you know a power broker to go out and catch and kill that's not what mm. they're there for they're there yeah. to process loans and to get through they're not going to be you know they're not going to have the same relationship with you as clients but yeah. you know, the thing that i tell a lot of the people that i'm coaching is if someone can do it 80 percent as well as you can that's good enough that's good enough. Um, there's a saying, perfection prevents profits. And um, yeah. And I think you know, in scaling a mortgage business, that is key, right? Yeah. Is, is key in understanding that so many brokers want that control. They don't want to let go of that customer contact. But the real way to scale a business is through people. And yeah. as we've said today, you can hire people like file drivers that are gophers, or you can yeah. hire other leaders in your business, which is where you get the accelerated growth, which Absolutely. are your people like your power brokers and your loan processors, which is what you um, yeah. sort of specialize in. Yeah. 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 So um, if people obviously, you know, people listening to this call, maybe obviously in two fields, right? One, they're looking to grow their business and they're looking to bring on staff. So um, if they've tried or they are looking to get your assistance, how do they find you, Roland? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, our website is platinumpeoplegroup.com.au um, and I'm sure we can have our, our details sent across to you, Ross, if anyone's... Um, uh, keen to have a chat with us, but um, probably for a lot of businesses that maybe aren't in a position to engage an agency, because obviously, you know, we have fees and recruitment fees can be quite high for a small business that um, is starting out as well or hasn't, hasn't got the budget for it. We've created an advice center on our website, which is essentially a blog page. Um, we've got over 200 pieces of content that we've created there. Some of them are articles. Some of them are videos of my team and I, um, 
and they're all different topics and you know some things from salaries what to pay you know we've got articles on them on there from for all these key roles how to structure incentives for brokers we've got them on our advice center and and i think it's it's so important because you know most brokers are on their own um and you know this collaboration is key for them to grow their business and and to get that knowledge so um so i definitely encourage people watching this to jump onto our advice center which is just platinumpeoplegroup.com.au you've got our advice center right there on the first tab um and you've got our contact details on there as well so here to help if anyone wants to pick our brain and definitely, I mean, if you're a broker that's looking for more of a PAYG role, um, I'm sure you're all always looking for, for people to fill We got those a few of them on well. at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's a war on talent. So we've always got more vacancies and jobs on than and people we can find. So yeah. if you're an experienced individual looking for a job, um, the power is really in your court. Um, and you know, there's a lot of employees out there. So it's, it's, it really is a war for talent at the moment. Beautiful. The other thing, just in, in final, the other sort of idea sure. that I've been sort of mulling over that I wanted to get your thoughts on is, you know, with COVID, a lot of businesses have worked and worked really effectively with their staff being remotely. Obviously, yeah. if, you know, I've got regional people, I've got... Um, if they are looking at hiring a staff and having, you know, it might be in a different part of Australia or offshore, yeah. having someone doing these roles, um, you know, via Zoom or, um, yeah. you know, not actually in their office. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I find, um, again, I mean, it's proven with, um, offshoring that it works proven with you know you've got a lot of processes and packages that will have their own business and you can outsource to them in, in Australia I know a lot of them in Brisbane and Perth um, that some of our clients out, outsource to so it does work um, I find if you're actually hiring someone as a PAYG you want them to be an employee on your team um, it does help it is advantageous if they are in the same city or the same state at least um you know we, we i'll give you an example there's a business in melbourne where um they hired someone that lives out in gippsland so for those who don't know gippsland is probably about they're probably about two and a half hours out of out of the city from their main office um they come in two days a fortnight right to the office and then they have the remaining eight days in that fortnight working from home remotely and this was before COVID, and it worked um, so I think if you're hiring someone, if, if you don't trust them to work from home, why are you hiring them? That's my thought process with it. Um, and if you've onboarded them correctly and you've still factored in, um, the processes to train and upskill them, because you can't just hire someone that's going to be the perfect fit from day one. You still need to show them the way that you work, the way your business works and the, that training piece. So if you've got those tools in place, it all comes down to your systems. You can have someone start anywhere in the world if you've got the right systems in place to onboard them, to show them how things are done in your business and then continue to upskill their skills so that they can actually work better for you and your business and your clients. Beautiful. Um, 
Thanks, Roland. It's, you know, Pleasure, it shows that you're a specialist in this industry because, you know, the knowledge and depth of knowledge that you've got around these roles and, and what they entail, um, you know, is second to none in terms of amongst recruiters that I've spoke to. I appreciate so, that. Thanks, uh, Roland. Hats off for, um, you know, for taking the time and filling this void. And, you know, as you said, there is a shortage of talent um, because anyone looking to scale is looking to bring on good talent and the ability to, as you said, recruit well and then have an onboarding platform for staff is something that you probably need to work on before you even think about hiring somebody. 100%, um, absolutely. And so that was a, definitely a big takeaway that I've got. I always ask this question at the end of my podcast. One tip. Sure for a new broker coming to the market in terms of that you would give? Um, Work out if you want to be a broker or a business. Um, There's nothing wrong with either path, but if you want to build a business, um, start building those foundations and disciplines from the get-go. If you know you just want to be a broker, maybe get to having one support staff and not really ever getting bigger than that. Um, that's fine. Um, you don't have to, it's a different mindset. Work out if you want to build a business or just be a broker and adopt the mindset of your end goal from day one. Love it. Love it. So good. Awesome. So good. Awesome. All right. This thanks has for been, me, Ross. thanks for joining the show, buddy. I uh, really appreciate you being here. If you want to, subscribe we're on apple spotify soundcloud or where you get your podcasts we also have a group uh, called the billion dollar broker group on facebook uh request to join and uh we'll be sharing this and so many different resources uh and creating a real community so please join uh and if you're interested in my services whether you want to be coached uh please get in contact. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Thanks again. See you next time.